and welcome back to Pastor Plex Podcast. I'm so glad that you are joining us today as we're going live, which I'm really pumped for, which is always exciting. You never know what might come out of somebody's mouth. Uh, and joining me in studio today is none other than Nicole Super Trooper Troop. Welcome back, Nicole. Thanks for having me. And then also, Tony Nelson, uh, always one with great questions. Tony, welcome. Thank you. Appreciate it. All right, so we're going to do a quick recap of where we went uh, this past week with uh, the sermon on Advent, and we were talking about doing the next right thing, and uh, Joseph was presented with, for him, the next right thing was to get married to the woman that he was engaged to. Then he finds out that she is pregnant. He then thinks, I'm going to do the next right thing, which is to not get married to this woman I'm engaged to, and I'll divorce her quietly. And then he changes his mind. He's going to do the next right thing, which is to marry the woman uh, that he is engaged to. So he kind of goes through a little, um, some might call cold feet, but for good reason. Uh, and I, I do appreciate uh, this sort of aspect for, for an engagement. This was like a real trial for him. And kind of what like what I wanted, the premise is what... During Christmas, and especially for for Joseph, but also for us, that we have to be flexible, and the next right thing might depend upon uh, more revelation. Uh, and so, what what I've learned is, um, and one of the things that just kind of the pieces that came out for me when it comes to figure out what God's plan is, um, that in the moment you can choose to be a hero or a villain, and I and I kind of made this. Uh, premise. I don't know where I heard this, but man, I just thought it was really genius. And I'd love for you guys to comment. Like a villain is someone who, who has, you know, in the origin story has pain and then their whole rest of their life, they want to make sure they spread that pain to as many people as possible. And then a hero uh, in their origin story has some sort of pain, but then they're, they want to prevent as many people as possible from experiencing that pain. And so whenever Joseph resolves to do the next right thing and divorce uh, his wife, he's he clearly had some pain of betrayal in that moment, uh, from perceived betrayal, uh, but he doesn't take um, a villain attitude. Let's talk about that just for a second. Uh, Tony, have you ever experienced sort of that villain attitude creep up in your own heart? Has that been something you've you've ever had? Sure. Having having a villain attitude, uh, yeah, many times. Yeah. <laughs> More times than I care to admit. Uh, so. Probably the the thing that would creep up the most is the desire to get even, <laughs> that desire to get back. Yeah, you know, right. I I can relate to Joseph's predicament because my wife and I went through an affair. Yeah, and um, that feeling of I'm going to get even, right, definitely can creep in. And that that affair happened yeah. like when you first got married, thirty days after. Yeah, that that's wild. What? Yeah, yeah. So, so yeah. yeah, So talk to me about how, why you didn't go full villain and look to explode everybody's lives. I wish I could say it was for great reasons, um, (laughs) but it was uh, a very prideful thing. Um, I I was going to be that guy that would be able to look back and go, I wasn't the one that broke the covenant. Nice. (laughs) It was pure pride. Pure pride. (laughs) All right. uh, So not great intentions, but. But you guys made it. Like you guys are still married. You guys have uh, two children, and we're now like how many years later? This is year 
13, about to be 14. Yeah, that's 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 amazing yeah. to kind of see God's grace in your life. And, and you <laughs> totally sure. took the hero route in that one. For me, I, I, I shared the story about, and I thought it was funny how Nicole goes, when did you do that? That When I got honked <laughs> at, and then I was like infuriated, especially when they passed me. I think that was like adding insult to injury. And I yeah. went to make sure that I flagged them down and stood outside their car uh, to have a conversation. And thankfully, my buddy Bill talked me off the ledge and we just went and got dinner, I think. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and it was a non-event. But yeah. man, I was ready. And he was like, what are you exactly going to say to that guy? I was like. I don't know, share the gospel. You know, I don't, it, it, was, <laughs> it was like, okay, that, that was, was rude. You know, like we're in Texas. We don't honk. I don't know, anyway, that was, that was another, that was another question that came to mind during that sermon uh, yeah, on Sunday. Yes. I was like, was Chris a Christian at this point? Yeah, because- I was totally, I was in seminary at the time. Yeah. I, uh, I was totally like loving okay. Jesus with my whole heart and wanted to make sure that guy knew how wrong he was. Cause there is no <laughs> repentance without conviction of sin. I wanted to help him out. <laughs> In his breaking sure the, the driving etiquette. Yeah. Sure See, I was not a Christian when mine happened, so I at least can, <laughs> can go. I was in direct alignment with the fact that I was already lost. So Yo, I was doing lost gosh. people things. Christians <laughs> make mistakes too. That's yeah. the well, lesson. You know, that thankfully, is true. Yeah, thankfully, God spared me for actually having a conversation with that yep, person. I, he I, sure I, did. I, I don't know what I would have said, honestly. It'd be like, Anyway, it was a mess. How about how about you, Nicole? Have you ever uh, been a hero or had something where you were the villain? Uh, yeah, <laughs> I think for me, the, the, like that villain attitude that you were describing comes up when I'm victimizing myself. How do you victimize yourself? Like, like when I, I blame my pain on other people mm. and instead of like the thing about heroes is they, they have a good heart yeah, and like, they don't let their pain, they don't wallow in it, I guess. Yeah. Like they, they do something about it. And a villain, it like wallows in their pity, and they're like, "I don't deserve this. I right. deserve better." And so then they have to get back at everyone in the world mm. to to because they were the victim of their own pain and suffering or whatever. Yeah. So I, I, whether it was like self inflicted or not doesn't matter. But is there, is there a particular uh, event or anything that you kind of go back to for whenever you go personal victimization or anything? Uh, not really. I mean, I think that's just been like a general, just a general thing. Yeah. All right. So, so we talked about like Joseph does the next right thing. Then he had, and the thing that sort of blew me out my mind and and I, and I love just kind of hear your perspective as a person that came to Christ as an adult, uh, Tony, yeah, really Nicole as well. Um, like you're, he, he, the initial, word of God that comes to him through a teenage girl that he's engaged to. He has feelings for her, clearly, and she comes and relates an undescribable... I guess it's describable. It's like, hey, I'm... The Savior of the world has come to me personally. There's a supernatural revelation that I'm experiencing. I want to share it with you, and he rejects it. What do you think... If you could, you know, even ponder anew, uh, what would... How would your... Especially for one who did reject the faith for so long yep. from uh, the woman that you were married to. Mm-hmm. Uh, and talk to me about how you might have processed that. And, and really, what do you think, the fact that, and, and how common is it to reject the word of God from another person, and then you want evidence, and so he got the evidence, which was in a dream, which to me, that's shaky uh, yeah. evidence. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, well, the desire for evidence, yeah. I think, is uh, is a very 
normal thing. It's, it tends to be a lot of right. people's perspective of just, I need proof. There's so many opinions out there on what is right and what is wrong. So I need something more substantive than just an opinion of a 13 year old girl about what she thought <laughs> happened. Um, so I, you know, I appreciate you talking about how he did the next right thing and not publicly shaming her. Right. Um, and as I was thinking about that, I was like, you know, in that time, in that culture, he would have been completely justified in doing it. Oh, 100%. And so why do you distinguish that as him not doing it as the right thing, the next right thing, compared to what was culturally normal and acceptable and practiced at that time? Yeah, I think it's the only reason I call it the next right thing is because the Bible does, because it says he was a just man and yeah. he wanted to. So I think you could go the other way because it would have been because he would it, the thing if you did publicly shame her is you yep. would separate yourself from sin. I don't, uh, mm-hmm. I'm not taking that on. Yes. Um. And I and I but I do appreciate that he goes the that route. But he. Oh yeah. Because but it there was a potential that he could that could come back to haunt him later. Weren't you engaged to Mary and her family yes. and you divorced her quietly? Did you you know? Uh, impregnate her, feel bad about it, and then you, you know, now you're a deadbeat dad. It, it could have gone that way. It could have, yeah. Um, but he was, you know, he probably felt like, man, whoever the father is probably needs to marry her or whatever, you know, whatever yeah. his thought thinking was on that. Yeah. So, and that's why I appreciate him going and doing this in silence and not not yeah. making it a big public event, ruining this teenage girl's, you know, public reputation and, um. The willingness to still take on the hardship mm. when he receives the vision mm. from the angel and just that that desire of even if it's going to be hard, I'm still going to do it right. um, at the risk of reputation and business and all those things. So, so and I think the good. thing that's interesting, you know, for me, a dream would, would you know, rank up there with like a weird vibe or feeling. I, I, I don't know if I'd totally buy into it, uh, but clearly for a lot of people in the Middle East, uh, even today, people come to yeah. faith in Christ through dreams, yep. and so, or at least that's a that's a a piece that strikes them. So, I think God was speaking to Joseph in the exact way that he needed to be spoken to. And I always say this about God: uh, He is the greatest communicator, and so He knows what is going to move a person. So, right. a dream—I don't know if that would move me quite like it moved Joseph, but it did move Joseph, and that was powerful. That um, mm-hmm. are you a big person on dreams, Nicole? No. Not not really. The dreams that I've had have never really been very vivid or easy for me to remember. So like I don't I I mean people say that I'm also very skeptical. Usually when people say that like God spoke directly to me or whatever yeah, in a yeah. dream or a vision and I'm just like, Did he? Yeah. <laughs> when when I was in <laughs> seminary, they had us do this exercise where you would set an alarm for like whatever, like three AM. And you'd wake okay. up at 3 a.m. and then write down whatever your dream was and then go back to sleep. And it was some wacky uh, stuff. It was, uh, it was sort of a wild deal of like... That'd frustrate me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't me. think I would that fail was, that, that assignment. That was an actual assignment I would, I would in, in seminary. It, it wasn't necessarily me. like God speaking, but just like to show you like you've got some wild stuff in your head. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. It mostly frustrate me because I want to finish my dream, not, not wake up and, and interrupt well, it. I think, you know? Oh, I think no, that's why I, I would be like, frustrated. Well, they can't remember <laughs> oh, yeah. their dream. And so oh, yeah, no. if you, anyway, that's mid dream. Yeah. All right. How about this? Um, uh, the la the, the, the piece that really moved me was when the angel says, don't fear. 
And I usually equate it, don't fear with like, don't be afraid of the angel. But it's don't fear to take Mary as your wife. In mm-hmm. other words, take on all yep. the public shame. Yep. That you, like, this is the, the, the word of the Lord is to take on the public disgrace of Mary yeah. because there is a greater grace that you're going to receive, which is uh, being uh, the stepfather, if you will, to the Son of God. And, and I think that is just really a, a neat uh, thing. Uh, but I think this goes into it like, when you become a Christian, because this might be his conversion right here. Let, let's just, you know, I don't, it's kind of odd to think of conversion for Joseph, but at some point he has to move from fear to faith. And I think that when he gets the word from Mary, contemplates divorce, gets the dream, he moves from fear to faith. He then believes the word of God and then takes action on that. Um, And there is nothing good that can come from that unless it truly is the Son of God. And this is where I'd love for you guys to speak. Has there ever been a time where you had to go from fear to faith uh, and knowing that the rest of your life is going to change for, I don't know if anyone has like rest of my life is going to change forever, but clearly just by this one simple next step, everything is going to change. Yeah, absolutely. Going to college. All right. What do you mean? Um, so when I was contemplating colleges and stuff, I, w- I was a baby Christian. So I yeah. got baptized when I was 17, junior year of high school. Um, and so senior year of high school, I'm, you know, contemplating college my parents don't know anything about college so it's not like they're helping me really what do you mean they don't know anything about um neither one of them went to college so yeah so they didn't like you know they don't know about fafsa and like college applications and stuff like that so i was kind of on my own and at the (laughs) mercy of the people in my life and thankfully Mm -hmm. i had people in the church that i was at to kind of help me and i was torn between going to baylor baylor was the school that i really wanted to go to and going to the university of texas Spoiler alert, I went to the University of Texas, but um, I... you knew they'd be in the college football playoffs? No, I didn't know that. <laughs> they weren't good when I was there. <laughs> this was like post-Colt McCoy era, unfortunately. Right. Oh, yeah, fair enough. But, um, but I wanted to go to Baylor because it was a Christian school, and huh. I felt like that was a safe choice. Right. And I was afraid of UT because Austin's this like super liberal city, and UT's a very secular college, you know? Yeah. yeah. And I would say that that is like a pretty like life defining choice, like where you go to school, because where you go to school could determine where you end up after school. Right. In the sense that like. What years were you at UT? uh, I started in 2013. I graduated in fall 2016. Yeah, I definitely was down on the campus during those times. Doesn't surprise me. Yeah. It's a big campus. It's a big campus. I probably saw you in the student union a bunch. Yeah, (laughs) probably. Probably. (laughs) All right. So you made the decision to go to UT. I did. And it changed your whole life. But was how was that a faith thing? Um, I was af- I was afraid mm. to go to a secular school. Oh, okay, got it. And, so and like, the one of my small group leaders was like, maybe God's calling you to go to the secular school. Okay. Like yeah. she basically challenged me in my thinking that like you can still grow in faith and go to a secular school. Like maybe God's going to use you there. And so it was pretty much me as a seventeen year old deciding like, okay, this really freaks me out. Yeah. But <laughs> this seems like the choice. That this seems like where, where, what everything's pointing to, and uh, yeah. Okay. What about what about you, Tony? Uh, yes, yeah, so I'll share one. Uh, but before I do, this is this is an interesting text to me because oftentimes I'll hear people talk about if God calls me to something, 
it won't be hard. I'll be able to, to go through right. it. And that's how I'll know he's called me to it. And yet, <laughs> Oh, wait, 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 wait. You're saying that someone says God called it. It has to be hard. No, that it no, won't it be hard. Oh, it won't be hard. Yeah, right, right. You know, I, I'll know that it's the right thing to do because he'll open up all the doors and it'll just be smooth. And, and I look at things like this mm-hmm. and I'm like, God's calling Joseph to stay. Yeah. <laughs> and he's telling him, don't be afraid of what's going to come. Right. It's not, which means it's going to be a challenge, right? Right. And he went through some stuff that we don't exactly see documented. Um, that, well, he also had to deal with, like, you know, Herod wanted to kill his kid. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, for, for me, the one that comes to mind uh, after I was a Christian, probably the first one that kind of changed the yeah. trajectory of, of my uh, life and, and growth was going from being somebody that was just a consumer at church to eventually being someone who said, I need to step up and be a small group leader, yeah, um, a community group leader. Um, and that changed things for me because I don't, I wouldn't say that I have the natural giftings for it. I don't exactly have high degrees of compassion or of empathy. Uh, you know, the, the typical things you'd want, you know, to yeah, have when I mean, you're leading do, do you people outsource and getting that or what? The, like as much as possible. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I love but, it. All right. Yeah. Yeah. It's good. Oh, anyway, that's but, so funny. I, I can appreciate that. But it, I do think that he's grown me a lot. God has grown me a lot in leading in many ways. Yeah. So uh, it has changed a lot of things for me. And I may still not be the person who's got the highest degrees of compassion or empathy, but that doesn't mean that things have not shifted and moved over the years. Right. And so, mm-hmm. um, yeah, that was stepping into a bunch of hard stuff. For that sure. is good. That's Messy good. lives. I do appreciate that. And the one thing I, I did, you know, Joseph did not have the Bible, and and yeah, I think this is an true. important thing to kind of wrap. He did, there is no Bible for him. I mean, for him to go read the Bible, he'd have to go to the synagogue and, and get like a, a trained person to to help him out. Like they yep. didn't have those in their desk. They didn't have it on their phone. They didn't <laughs> yeah. even have like a family Bible on the the mantle. This was pre like people having books, mm. and so or at least. You know, the poor people didn't have books. Yeah. Like if you had a book, it would it's it's like having a car or like having like a Michael Jordan rookie card or something. It's something it's a it's an incredible gift back then. So he doesn't have that. All he has is a, the word of the Lord coming through his teenage um betrothed, his you know, Mary, and uh, an angel. And we don't have to worry about that today. And I and I kinda made this point because I want to make sure that no one's just like, you know, going off like I just felt like the Lord said and I, there are moments when the Lord does say but that's going to be confirmed by God's word nothing's going to be outside of God's re- revelation yes, through true. his word and then through God's people like God brings the church together to um, give you freedom or to kind of discern help you discern what God's will is and I think trusting that for the most part is the the wisest thing you can do when you get kind of like the dream that you're really not not sure if this is uh, the direction you should go. Yeah. Mm. Um, yeah. So uh, I, f- I feel like that's pretty much it on on this particular. It was great uh, sermon recap. Um, so this this Christmas, we're, really, we we're talking about God's plan, and then how God tells you to do the next right thing when plans change. And then coming up this week, we're going to get back to God's plan and how you can experience it uh, fully. So uh, make yeah. sure you guys yeah. come and, and check that out. One question for you. When you use that phrase, doing the next right thing, if somebody were to look at their life today mm. and go, I'm in a hard situation, how would they figure out, uh, I guess, 
what the next right thing might be. Sure. I, I, do feel, I do feel like the next right thing always comes within God's word, God's people, God's spirit. So the Bible, the church, Holy Spirit. How do you know? Like, so this is where I, I don't, I'm not like God does give an unction. He does. Remember, if he's the best communicator ever, he's going to make it clear. And so, and if he makes it clear, he's not going to make it clear just to you. He's going to, he's going to speak through the body of Christ uh, so that you are never alone. That's the beauty of of have having the, the canon of scripture. That's the beauty of having uh, the church with uh, leadership that God has um, appointed uh, through his people. It's, it's sort of a wild deal. I, I'm super grateful that you asked that question because I think that comes up all the time. I don't know what the next right thing is. Right. And you're like, I need to divorce my husband. Well, man, Let's talk about that. Uh, yeah. You know, like this is like a direction I'm feeling, and there's God. There is, you know, is it never permissible? Uh, no, there, there. God gives permission for divorce, uh, but let's make sure that you're not going outside of Scripture's um, ability for for that to happen. And then, out of like, it might be a calling of yours for you to stay in that marriage. I'm just thinking of like Absolutely. an ex- example. Yeah. So it might be like, for example, if for you, you had a, I, I mean, this is even before you're a believer, but yeah. you had a right to divorce, yes. but you chose not to. And and I would encourage someone in that, yes. even in your state, to kind of reveal the love of Jesus. I, I just kind of look at Hosea and Gomer, how Absolutely. wild that is and how you get to present Jesus and the church over and over again, presents God's love for his bride uh, over and over again through that. It's a beautiful yep. thing. So anyway, to that point, I feel like it's not always cut and dry. So especially on, I mean, what what sweater should you wear today? Probably that's that's one that you can handle, uh, but when when it comes to like decisions where you're not sure what the next right thing is, that's why community is so important. Which is why I really I think your group does a really great job of really whenever big decisions come up, there are voices that speak into it. Because I think what happens uh, is that in isolation, people make poor decisions. Absolutely, they do. Um, why do you think that is? Uh, they listen to themselves. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, so as an example, when you use that that. Uh, the hypothetical one of, of the woman going, well, I think I should, should leave my house. Right, right. Okay, well, that, that's the stuff that you're listening to in your head. Right. And if you don't go get anything confirmed with other people, you don't read through Scripture, it's real easy to believe you're, you're hearing from God, and right. it's actually a very different voice that you're listening to. And yeah, so that's good. whether that's my own fleshly desire to exit or mm. whether that's the enemy talking to me, doesn't matter the source of the improper uh, communication, but it's my inability to identify it. That's the real problem. Yep. And so I need scripture and I need other people in the church to help reorient me to true north and pointing back to God. And this the way is good. I, I think what happens for a lot of people when they come to big decisions, they actually don't go to their community. They go to their echo chamber. Yep. And yeah, so what they true. want is just somebody to agree with them. And then they find enough of those and then they kind of rest their soul and they don't yeah. reveal to their community what they're going to do until after the decision has been made. Yeah. Um, sure. That happens a lot with people getting married. Yeah. Well, the, <laughs> the, well, this is also reveals the significance of if you are in a discipling relationship or if you're in a, a leadership role of any kind, where you have any kind of spiritual authority over somebody, mm. then it is absolutely crucial to be willing to have the hard conversations. There's a lot of people I see who just don't want to step on someone's toes. And I'm like, you don't understand how damaging it can be 
if you might be the one voice that they're coming to yeah, this for reason good. and you choose not to do it. So there's two pieces to this. which I really love that you brought that up. I think what on the one end, if a person with a big decision, if you don't go to those people that are closest to you and know you the best, uh, then what you're preventing is the God's not going to – if you're wanting God to speak through the random prophet, that seems like an odd deal as opposed to yeah. the, the church he's, always, he's already provided for you. But as the church, like if when someone comes to you and they, they have a thing and you don't go, I'm going to risk the relationship here to probably tell, tell you something you don't want to hear. Wounds from a friend can be trusted, but the enemy multiplies Amen. kisses. And I think that's yeah. the part yep. of Proverbs. We, we're, we're terrified that I'm going to lose a friend. Because and, and again, I think what happens for people, the echo chamber is always, you know, it's your family, it's your fun camp, it's uh, your emotional support group that always echo chambers you and says, whatever you want to do, I'm for it. And they have no real buy-in to your life. But the people who have buy-in to your life are going to challenge you and yeah. say, this yep. is the harder right over the easier wrong, and it's ultimately going to bless you. I think, and, and we as parents deal with this all the time, is like, we challenge our children not – and they're like, you don't care about me. You know, like, whatever. Like, I challenge you because I do care. And yeah. I always have to go like, um, you know, I love you, right? Yes. You know, I want what's best for you, right? Yes. So I want you to put the switch down. I want you to stop watching whatever ridiculous show you're watching. And, and that that's a hard truth that can come to that moment, but it's such a gift ultimately. Yeah. Any, any other thoughts on that? That was great. Hey, if you're watching, we would love for you to like, share, subscribe, take this podcast, share it with somebody who probably needs to know that they need to do the next right thing. Uh, it might be awkward if you go like, hey, you know that decision you're needing to make? Watch this. That, that might actually be helpful. Maybe you're the only person in their life that's not an echo chamber. Uh, and it might spur on a conversation. Yes. Uh, so make sure you like, share, subscribe, let everyone know uh, you're watching. If you have any questions, text us at 737-231-0605. We would love to hear from you or go to pastorpleck.com. Um, excited for continuing this conversation. So from our house to yours, have an awesome week of worship.